Hey, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Bowling, and I'm way pumped to have you join me today because I get to interview a special guest. As you listen today, you get to hear what it looks like to live in genuine love every day, and you're going to love it. Be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Hey, hey, thanks so much for joining my podcast. This is Sarah Bowling, and I'm totally stoked I get to interview today Kim Meter. Oh my gosh, it is the magnificent Kim Meter, not just regular Kim Meter, magnificent Kim Meter. So thank you, Kim, for joining me today. Thank you, Miss Sarah. It's just a joy to be back. Thank you, friend. Totally fun. Hey, can you give us a quick little thumbnail, like biography, because not all of our listeners know some of your background. So just a little biography on kind of where you're from, what do you do, what are you all about kind of thing. So my husband and I started a ministry in Central Oregon on the eastern slope of the Cascade Mountain Range, and we rescue abused and neglected horses, and we pair them with kids and families in need for free, because what Jesus did on the cross, uh, the message of the gospel is free, and so everyone can afford free, and because of that, uh, we've been doing this now for 25 years. This is our in two weeks will be our 25th anniversary of serving the Lord with, with horses. And in the last 25 years, the Lord has been so faithful in crazy, amazing, are you serious God ways? Manna just literally has fallen for 25 years. In the last uh, quarter of a century, the ranch has rescued more than 300 horses. We, have, uh, we see about 5,000 visitors annually. We've served over 100,000 children free of charge, and we have helped to start about 220 other similar ranch ministries in the U.S. and in Canada, and about a dozen worldwide. And this is what God can do with pain that is given to him. He's the only one who can transform it into something that is beautiful and powerful and can change the atmosphere that it's released into. That is the God that we serve. And that's what hope and love can do. Nice. And nice. So let me ask you this too, because I love this. I know about you and I, I want my listeners to know this too. What are some of the things, hobbies, things you like to do? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Oh my goodness. I live in a house because I have to. I could live in a tent on the side of a mountain tomorrow. I love the high country so much. And it's my truest church, whether it's hiking or skiing or shed hunting or anything. Uh, uh, my husband's a, a licensed captain and, and fishing guide. And so out on the ocean, but seriously, up in the, the glaciers and the high country is really where I can hear his voice and it's where I experience the power of his presence and the, the grandeur and awe of the depth of his love that, that his word says over and over and over that his love for us. I just read it this morning in Psalms, like I think it's 102, that his love as high as the heavens are above the earth is, is the depth of his love for one of us, just one of us. And so I love the wilderness. I love everything that has to do with outdoors. And that's, that's where I experience the love of my Savior the most. Totally cool. Do you hunt and fish and all that too? I love fishing and love uh, ocean fishing and uh, all the 
the Pacific rivers that run into the ocean here in Oregon. I am, I love hunting with a camera. Um, I'm from a hunting family and I'm all about it. I just can't do it, but I can creep up on animals and I just love watching them be and do what they do. And that just thrills my heart. So sneaking up on critters out in the wilderness and just, just watching them, just being a part of this world is, is good stuff. This is totally fun. Completely, <laughs> completely fun. I get it. One time I'm going to do this little rabbit trail. One time I was, uh, my husband and I were up doing a little summer vacation uh, at like one of the ski resorts in the summertime. And they were having this big festival with all these kids and a bear came through the festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know you live in a rural place. <laughs> so we weren't even in the wild. I mean, the bear was, you know, out of place. And all the people were like scurrying, like cockroaches when the light goes on. Bam! <laughs> nice. Everybody out. That's so fun. It's so, I was hiking not so long ago and coming down, my husband and I were talking and all of a sudden we heard rustling and a bear just stands up. 20 yards from us and he huffs at us like whoa you surprised me and I didn't I just held my ground and he came down and he started to walk toward us which is really aggressive and just stood fast and then he when he saw that I wasn't leaving he started to move his head from side to side like uh-oh my my scare tactics aren't working and then he finally diverted but oh my gosh I was like woo, that was that was pretty thrilling lord but what a picture of facing our enemy and that our enemy is all about intimidation and threats. And that if I can make you move backward, then I take away from you what Jesus gave his life to redeem. And every time we take a step backward in fear, we are giving the enemy ground. And I, it, it was a really powerful experience for me to see what that looks like in a physical realm. It, when I respond in fear of, oh, I'm not sure about that, and the enemy just steps forward and inhabits that place. Mm -hmm. Fear opens the door for the enemy, right? Always. Fear is never from God, ever, ever, ever from God. First mm -hmm. John 4 says that, that perfect love casts out all fear, and right above that, guess who perfect love is? Oh, yeah, that's God. Wherever mm -hmm. God is in our life, fear cannot be. And so our fear and our faith can't share the same place in our heart at all. And whichever one dictates our actions, that's our true God. That's the one that we're really serving. It doesn't matter what we say, it matters what we do. And so yes, fear and faith cannot share and whichever one of those two that drive our actions is our true God. Mm -hmm. And I think for our listeners, that's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> boom. Oh, that's just... total boom. Hey, Kim, I want to ask you this too, because I know a little bit of this, but I want our listeners to hear this. Can you tell us about when you were a little girl, something horrible that happened with your parents? Because um, I want our listeners to hear this uh, for their own hearts, because some of, some of us have had struggles and challenges with parents, you know, growing up and all that. And I'd like for you to kind of share what happened and then God's participation with that. Cause I think that's super powerful and gives us a lot of hope. You know, thank you, Sarah. It's a good reminder that everyone comes from somewhere and everyone's been through something. And we serve a God who doesn't want to heal in parts and pieces. He wants to heal in whole. 
when we only give God a part of our heart, that's the only part that he can heal. It's the only part he can redeem. It's the only part that he can lead. And I can tell you with certainty as a rancher, you just try to lead part of a horse. It's impossible. You cannot lead part of a horse until that whole horse decides to go with you. You're not going anywhere. God wants us to come before him with our whole heart, all of our love. And I learned that very young in my life and in this, how each life comes to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And he calls us so uniquely and individually. And um, at, at nine years of age, I, you know, I used to look at my mom and think she was the most beautiful woman in the world. And I wanted to grow up and be like her beautiful inside and outside. And, and my dad, he was a wild child of the wilderness and a downhill ski instructor. And, and uh, in my mind, my dad was a superhero and he wore a cape and he could fly. There was just nothing that my dad couldn't do. And I grew up in the combined castle of their love for me. And it was during that season of time that my dad's best friend came and picked me up from my little grade school and put me in the backseat of his car and my two older sisters and he wouldn't speak. And I just had this choking feeling that something horrific had happened and that <gasps> I can't breathe. I just know that something terrible has happened and no one will tell me what it is. And, and we started to drive in silence, this very familiar road to my grandparents' house and no one would speak. And I looked up at my oldest sister's face and she's just streaming silent tears. She knows too. And we drive down their long driveway and there's just cars parked all crazy. And, and I got out of the car and I could feel grief just waving from the house. And for the first time in my young life, I did not want to go into a home where I only ever felt love because I was afraid. I was afraid of what I was going to hear. And I was just grabbed by my shoulders and pushed in through the door. And the house was full of all these grieving, wailing people. And and I was pushed into the arms of a woman that I recognized. I, I didn't know her name, but she was crying so hard. She sounded like she was choking and she just kept going around and around in this nauseating cycle of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to tell you this. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry that, um, that your dad has just murdered your mother and he's taken his own life. And I'm so sorry. And I remember looking at her and thinking, wait a minute, my dad loves me and he loves my mom and he would never do that. You're a liar. And I just popped her in the chest and broke out of her arms and ran out the back door in this child's effort to just outrun the unthinkable and just ran and ran and ran until there was nothing left. And, and it wasn't very far. And I'd been running through an orchard that had just been plowed and the ground was really soft. And, and I remember just falling down in this overturned earth and, and sobbing and screaming and inhaling dirt and choking and retching. And I could hear what I thought were animal sounds and I didn't even recognize the sound of my own voice as I could hear coming out of my mouth these words, Jesus, help me. Jesus, will you help me now? I need you, Jesus. And Sarah, I didn't even know who Jesus was. 
I wasn't raised in the church. To my knowledge at that point in my life, I'd been to church twice. All I knew about Jesus is, I think he's the guy on the cross. I did not know the power of Romans chapter one that says it doesn't matter who you are, how you were raised, what culture you were brought up in, what religion you were taught to believe. When your heart is being destroyed, we know intuitively to turn to the one who made that heart because intuitively we know he's the only one who can heal and redeem it. And I, I didn't know verses like Romans 10, 13 that declares everyone Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't, I didn't know that. All I knew was that in that moment, there was a pop in my heart and an ignition of hope and a knowing that you are going to get through this and everything's going to be all right and you are no longer alone. That's all I knew. That is all I knew. I had no idea that the Lord of all creation crossed the expanse of heaven and got down in the dirt and knelt beside a breaking child and took the hand that was reaching out to him. And my Jesus has never let go. Not then, not now, not ever. His love is so powerful, so unfathomable, so unbreakable that when we take a hold of him, the reality is that uh, I'm thinking of, of John 10, and it talks about how being in the Father's hand, and Jesus is saying that you're in my Father's hand, and no one is stronger than my Father. No one can pry his hand open, and you're in there. He's got you. His love is surrounding you. You want to know what you're surrounded by? You think it's pain. You think it's sorrow. You think it's grief or bitterness, or unforgiveness. Do you know what they did to me? You think you're surrounded by all this blackness. And yet, when you call on Jesus Christ to come in and be your savior, and come into your heart, that surrounding changes into the light of heaven. You want to know what you're surrounded by? You are surrounded by the loving grasp of God the Father himself. And that will happen in the life of every single human being who cries out with an honest heart that Jesus Christ will come in and be the Lord of their life and be the Lord of this life to forgive us of our sin and that we would, we would commit to do our best to walk with him every day that we have life and breath. That's a life that God can lead. And in that moment, this young life was completely transformed. And it wasn't because of what I was told to do. It wasn't a message or a sermon or here's how you become a Christian. I met him and my life has never been the same. And I lived a life from that time. I could live a, a million lifetimes of trying to share the power of his redeeming love and it would not be enough to pay the gratitude of love that I have for him for healing and redeeming this life. And if he could do that in this heart, he can do it in your heart, in any heart that is raised to him. That is the powerful love of God the Father and Jesus Christ spoken through the voice of the Holy Spirit. He will do that for anyone who asks, anyone. Super, super powerful. I mean, I mean, in the in the most 
destitute situation. I mean, hardcore, hardcore. Um, you know, I want to ask this too. You talk about the love of God, genuine love of God. And uh, obviously, you know, you're nine years old and you sense that genuine love. How do you see that play out like real time today? You know, like not only to you, but also through you. How do you see that genuine love now as, you know, however many years later? Wow, that was that was 50 years ago. Uh, I'm almost 60. And so uh, that was a long time ago. And what I know about his love is that the more I know and experience it, the more I realize I don't know anything. And that his love is so big and so vast and beautiful and powerful. And, and, you know, when we when we come to know him, we're like given this little sippy cup, because that's all we can tolerate. When behind that sippy cup is is ocean upon ocean upon zillions of oceans oceans of his presence and his love um i came to know him in the presence of a horse i was not saved by a horse i was saved by jesus christ on the back of a horse and in those young years of my life uh knowing the power of his word and and what I've seen in the power of his love through the years is uh, met and married my husband. We knew moved to central Oregon and started rescuing horses. And we had no idea what God was going to do. And in rescuing the land and then filling the land with broken trees and then filling the broken land with broken horses. And then all the broken kids started coming in and they all looked just like me. And they all looked just like those little wild horses in our state and in your state that run wild. And when a horse is orphaned, they will follow a band for days, weeks, months with their head down, circling, asking, asking, asking all the time, will you, will you receive me into your herd? I need a home and I need a family and I'm alone and I'm afraid. Will you accept me into your herd? And every kid that came up our driveway looked like one of those orphan horses, head down, eyes down, just so afraid and just asking, can, can I belong here? And will you accept me into the herd that is Crystal Peaks Youth Ranch? And we founded this ranch in 1995. And to see the faithfulness and the love of the Lord pour through horse after tree, after branch, after blade, after child, after family, after all these things, to see the love of our Father pour through all those things that more upon more will know the power of his love. That he would take the very thing that the enemy meant to destroy this life by. And when we give that pain back to him, Genesis 50, 20 is true. What the enemy means to destroy you by, God is going to transform into the very thing that gives life. And Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, that don't you know that God is going to comfort you in your time of need so when others go through something similar, you can give them the comfort, you can give them the love that God has just lavished on you, that ocean that is pouring through you. Just open the floodgates and let him roar through you everything that he is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Let it roar through you. That's what transforms the world around us. And I have seen the power 
of his love. Jesus himself said all through the Gospels that the greatest commandment is to love God with everything that you are, heart, soul, mind, strength. You love him with everything you are. And when you do that, you're so full of his love. Now I'm going to ask you to pour that out on each other because that's how the world is going to know we belong to Jesus because we have unusual love. And it doesn't mean perfect and it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes and fall on our face. We still live in, in, in skin, but it does mean that we keep asking him to flood us with the tsunami of his loving presence. And when we do that and we release mindfully his love into our surroundings, that's when we see the environments around us transform by the power of his love. Love wins every war. The love of God wins every single war you will ever face because there's no defense against it. You can't fight the genuine love of God. It is the most powerful force in all of history, in all the universe. And we have the choice to carry that and give that every minute of every day. Totally, totally powerful. Totally powerful. And, and uh, we don't earn it and we don't lose it. Amen. Amen. I mean, that, you think about that. You can't like dial it up and you can't dial it down. You know, God's love is steady no matter what. You can build a life on it. It is the bedrock upon which we choose to live. And if we are not experiencing the love of God, it's for one reason only. It's because we're not choosing to. We are not choosing to. And I know that makes a lot of people frustrated when they're in a hard or painful place. But his love is offered to us freely every minute of every day, along with his, his joy, his hope, his peace, his laughter. All of that is offered to us every minute of every day. And if we are not so flooded with the good, good, goodness that our God is. Kim, it's because your focus is in the wrong place. It's on you instead of him. And when I focus on my pain, boy, my pain is what I feel. And then my pain becomes my God. Um, Paul said that, that, that we become what we behold, basically. And that he, he commands us to behold whatever's good, lovely, beautiful, whatever's of good repute, that that let your mind settle on these things because that's what fills us up so that we can pour that back out into every environment that we walk into. And that's what transforms it with the love of God. It's mm. good. Totally, totally good. Love, love it. Love what you say. Love, totally agree. Mm. Hey, I'll ask you one last question. Your latest book is called Revival Rising. So... What's the deal on this book? Why did you write it? Oh, my. You know, the Lord asked me to write this book a year and a half ago, long before all this COVID stuff. And he knew what was coming. And this book just came out in the midst of people being locked down. And the, the bedrock of Revival Rising is that revival is not something that happens near you. The, the fire of revival is something that happens inside you inside you when we come before the Lord. And I'm thinking right now of Hebrews 29, 11. No, um, oh, it's Hebrews, excuse me, 12, 29, that, that talks about how our God is a consuming fire. And when we know who we are in him 
and who he is in us, that that ignition of passion and the flame of his presence within us is, is ignited, that's what is released into the world around us. And that's what he is calling for every single believer. A, a revival is not somewhere you go. It's somewhere you are. And it's you bringing everything that the Lord that you love is into every environment you walk into, into every heart, into every conversation, into every email, every text, every communication with another human being. That's how revival starts. Revival, R-E-V-I-V-A-L. I is right in the middle of revival. It begins with you and me. It begins right here within each individual heart as we allow the love of God to ignite us from the inside out. How can we not share about who he is and the authority and saving grace of his love with everyone? And this is the foundation of what Revival Rising is all about, to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and release his love everywhere he's calling. Nice. Totally love it. Fantastic. And Kurt, I would encourage all of our listeners to grab, grab a couple of copies. Obviously you get them on Amazon, wherever you buy your books is great. Grab a couple of copies, pass them out with your friends. Um, always good. Always good. I love how you write Kim because it's always very, very engaging and easy to read. And so, and I think our readers, our listeners will be massively blessed by Revival Rising. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for hanging out. Holy buckets. Wasn't that amazing? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. Totally love your guts. And I'd love for you to share this with your friends and your family. Thank you again and again for listening. And we'll catch you next week.